0: hey welcome back to musings of a black bipolar activist this is lucy and uh today i'm gonna do a throwback episode to a podcast that i recorded with uh my friend and brother brian james mcmahon uh we recorded this when we were in california uh we both are in kansas city missouri right now and uh that's his niece i mean that's his daughter it's my niece this is his daughter say hello Okay, she she said hello. Um, And uh, we're going to be talking about a few things, most notably code switching. Uh, So if you know what code switching is, then you'll get our thoughts on that. If you don't know it, if you do, you'll hear our thoughts. If you don't, then you'll hear a little bit about what code switching is. Um, So uh, sit back, relax, enjoy. Uh, Again, this is Brian James McMahon. Miriam's going to say hello. That's her saying hello. Say hello. Say hello one more time. Okay. And uh, that will be it. And I'll see you guys in another podcast.
1: Bye. We're just going to start recording right there. What did the five (laughs) fingers say to the face? Slap! Slap. That's what I need on my face (laughs) right now. Full disclosure, starting this podcast is unnamed podcast of a direction that we don't know where it's going. Um, Full disclosure, I'm exhausted. It's been a long week, and we're going to have some conversations about things that actually matter. Yeah. uh, And that matter to us and that you and I hold. Yeah um and we're going to do that and I'm tired and we're in a funky mood and I may need to get slapped in the face <laughs> um but we're going to we're going to do this so this let's do it uh we you and I had a conversation the other night that uh was around um some of the words that we used were um uh, uh, hypocrisy we were talking a little bit about hypocrisy we were talking uh about code this idea of code switching mm-hmm. and how code switching uh, may or may not be the same, right? That that's right. kind of the conversation of how is that different than hypocrisy, right? And uh, I mean, then the conversation of hypocrisy is like a super wide, long conversation. And apparently, because I didn't know this until you pointed this out, that your culture, uh, black culture, would would actually seem, or at least in the experience of black culture that you've had, right, that right. Um, would define hypocrisy quite differently than my experiences in white culture that I've had would define hypocrisy. And I had no idea about that until we talked about it. Going, gosh. Um, that's weird and that's different and that's new. Um, uh, but maybe let's start with this conversation of code switching and, okay. and maybe let me frame it. I'm um, kind of like I framed it in our conversation the other night that, um, cause we were talking about fairness at one point and, um, I remember a conversation you and I had, uh, probably almost a year ago now. I think it was late last fall where, yeah. um, you were really wrestling with, uh, participating in our community in the sense of um, could you be black in our community, that even though we have a variety of other ethnicities and we have uh, some Filipino and Chinese uh, and Mexican and a variety of of cultures, you were, particularly during that time, uh, primarily the only black person in the community. Right. Um, and, uh, And really wrestling with could you be black, how black could you be? And you had made a statement at one point where you said that um, you felt like you had to take off your blackness mm-hmm. um, coming and being part of our community. And and I, and I asked you the other night if you still feel like you have to do that, and you, and you said no, which I think is amazing. And we may be able to have a conversation about, well, how did you get to that point? Yeah. Um, and what does it mean to be a community where there's actually enough space for everyone to show up fully themselves? hmm uh, and is it easier for white people than black people to believe that that's happening and believing that's yeah. possible? Uh, but but really, it that conversation you and I had brought us back to this conversation about code switching, which um, I was not overwhelmingly familiar with that term. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you can even start us off there and talk about, when we use this word code switching, one, what does that mean? Um, and then jump into some of your experiences with that and even as it applied to our community for a while.
0: Yeah. On a side note, yeah. I do want to say that I think me being more black is causing other people of color to be in our community to be more of their expression. Because I've noticed that Julia is starting to be more Mexican. Yep. <laughs> you yes. know um, um adam's starting to be a little bit more filipino mm-hmm. yes um, and so I, I i just i just thought that that was really cool too yeah. um because uh, when we were sitting in here the other um i think it was like maybe about a month ago uh and we were talking about what we were bringing out in each other um, Julia was talking about how she was appreciating being Mexican more um, and, I was, and I was thinking about that a couple weeks ago and I was like that's really cool um, because she was and what made me think about it today was <laughs> she was talking about how um, she, uh, she couldn't wait to call me or told me about something, how she uh, she was like, this was the whitest thing I had experienced <laughs> at work. And I wanted to call you, like, immediately, like, Lucy. Mm-hmm. You would not believe how white these ladies were. And I was, she was like, and I would have called you immediately, because I knew you would appreciate it. But I was at work, mm-hmm. so I had to wait. Yeah. And I was
1: well, like, in, in what you're what you're touching on there, right, is this idea that somewhere in the last year, um, our community took a big shift that that even though we have always been a multi-ethnic community right from yeah. the get go, it's in the ratios. I mean, it's probably 40 percent white and 20 yeah. percent black, Latino, yeah. Yeah. Asian. Right. It's kind of the split in our community, even though it's it's been a very multi-ethnic community. At the get-go and from the context that we came out of, right, when we were part of the other church together, that was a multi-ethnic church that had a dominant white culture feel. Mm -hmm. And even as we came into this community, because Michelle and I are white and we were initially facilitating a lot of it, it still had a white culture feel. And I think one of the things you're highlighting is how um, when there's actually space for, for strong expression of culture that has a ripple effect... Yeah. among other cultural expressions because I don't I don't necessarily think and you may disagree with me feel free to, yeah. to do so. Um I don't know that I would identify our our church as a white culture church anymore.
0: No, it's not. I agree it's yes. not um weird. But, yeah.
1: But not white culture. No, it, it's <laughs> definitely weird but
0: not white culture. And I think what you, what you t- just touched on was right. There wasn't space to uh, to express other culture. Mm. And I think I think that's why I was taking off and putting on blackness. Mm. And um, I know we weren't going to dive into this, yeah. but... Um, it's our podcast. We can do whatever yeah. we want. Um, but, like, me expressing that I was taking it off and... and putting it on, and then you, like, pointing it out, like, well, well, why? Mm -hmm. Um, And us having that dialogue about it, and then me thinking, like, well, maybe I don't have to take it off. Mm. Um, And then me kind of inching towards, you know, keeping it on. And then as I'm keeping it on, kind of that ripple effect of other people saying, well maybe i'll keep mine on too i don't know if that's their mm-hmm. mind their their mindset but um i've just noticed that me being blacker is kevin being blacker mm-hmm. and um julia saying okay i'm going to be more mexican mm-hmm. even if it's not even them doing co- it consciously right i've just noticed that everyone else is being more of their ethnicity.
1: So I, I have a question. So let me
0: go back to Code Switch.
1: Well, before you go okay. back to Code Switch, right. I have a question about okay. this that has been on my mind for forever. Not okay. for forever, but since it happened.
0: Okay.
1: I very, and I, I'm wondering if you remember this moment because I, rem- I very clearly remember this moment following that conversation about do you, why do you take off your blackness? Do you need to take off your blackness? What would it look like to not take it off and uh-huh. just to show up as you? I remember the very first moment you were telling a story when you dropped the N word in a story that you were <laughs> telling. <laughs> like, I remember it because it, regis- it resonated with me. Like, I'm listening and we're like, oh, this is Lucy not taking off her blackness. She is telling her story as she is, as she wants to tell it, as she wants to express it. Do you remember that moment? I do. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've always wondered, because I, I remember sitting there going like, 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 Brian James, don't make, don't make this a big deal. Like, don't react yeah. to this, because if I'm reacting to this, then I'm saying you being you is actually, like, noticeable yeah. and has a ripple effect.
0: Yeah, I do remember. We were all sitting around the table uh-huh. in there, uh, and I believe it was you, Matt, Alicia, uh, and I think it was Rena. I think so. Sitting around the mm-hmm. table <laughs> I telling this story. Um, yeah, we were all sitting there, and, and you... Um, I think it was, like, after we had finished eating, it was, like, later in the evening, and you pulled me aside, and you were like, I noticed that you mm-hmm. were t- when you were telling that story, mm-hmm. you dropped the N-bomb, and I just wanted you to know that none of us reacted, mm-hmm. and it was okay that you told that story. And I was like, you know what? I didn't even realize <laughs> I did that. Huh? Um, and you were like, okay. I just wanted to know that it was okay that you said that, and that none of us reacted, and I just started laughing because I was like, I didn't even realize that I did it. So so was so that
1: then helpful or not helpful or neither for me to actually No, it
0: was it was um it was so funny actually cuz I was like, like I just cuz it was like such a like seamless transition that I did it mm. that I was like, "Oh, I am comfortable mm. doing this." I didn't even realize that I had done it and then the fact that you were like, "Oh, it was like such a like you made it like, oh, it was such not a big deal. and I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know why I made this such a big deal about right. taking off blackness.
1: Um, well, I, was like, I was always, yeah. th- it's been on my mind, and I was wondering, I was like, does she remember this moment? Yeah,
0: I remember. Because I was
1: yeah. like, oh, this is happening. Like, she's actually trusting us with herself and her.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because I remember I, um, I went back to the house, and I was like, I don't know why I made such a big deal about Mm-hmm. taking off blackness yeah. When, yeah. In when in and when we we're,
1: cuz we're talking in this story about the way that you would take off blackness even initially in our community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that what you mean by code switching?
0: Okay, so yeah, kind of. Um so code switching, I, I we kind of talked about it last time. Like um like like acting in front of company. Um and so Like with Newhart, it was I think their expectation of blackness was the manifestation of my dad.
1: Describe that.
0: Well, my dad is like the the. Have you seen Roots? Have you have you I seen don't, Roots?
1: I don't think so. Okay, no, so I'm going to say no because if I don't remember it, then okay, we're going to say no.
0: So the pr- okay, you know the premise that was of me Roots. being
1: white and ashamed that I haven't seen a movie that maybe would inform my cultural perspective, and so I got really cautious around that and said, well, maybe I haven't. No, no the no, truth no, no. is, it's I fine. know that
0: I haven't seen it. No, it's fine if you Cut. haven't seen Roots. No, Cut. that's completely fine. I'm, Not everyone. I'm has just seen exposing it. my
1: like, white fragility. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fine if you haven't. It. It's a long ass saga, so. It's fine if you haven't seen it. It's like hours and hours. Okay. So anyway. So do you know like the basic premise of Roots? Not at all. Okay. So Roots is written by Alex Haley. He was he um he's a author. Wait,
1: he did the Malcolm X autobiography, right?
0: Yes. Okay. Um so he you're familiar with him. Yes. He's he's an author. Um and he wrote Roots is basically um his genealogy, so he traced his family like his genealogy. Own genealogy. Yeah, he traced his family genealogy back to Africa, and he wrote it out. Wow! And so uh, he traced it back to his ancestor Kunta Kinte, and uh, so Kunta Kinte was. Um, he traced it back to Cuntaquinte, and then Cuntaquinte was sold into slavery. And then, when Cuntaquinte uh, first arrived on the plantation, he was put um, under the tutelage of a slave named Fiddler. And Fiddler, this is a perfect example of code switching. So, Fiddler was a house slave. Who, um, who got his name because he, um, he played like the fiddle. Um, and he, he was a house slave. The house slave uh, was a slave who was usually well taken care of. He was usually allowed to live in a house. Um, usually house slaves were um, lighter skinned slaves. Um, but Fiddler was not a lighter-skinned slave. He was a darker-skinned slave, but he was educated, so he he was allowed to live in the house, and um, he was well-spoken, and um, he was he was put in charge of Cuntacinte because he was well-spoken, and they wanted Cuntacinte. Um. "Quote unquote," trained in a hurry. And so um, he was renamed Toby.
1: Kunti Yeah,
0: they they always give slaves like English names. Mm-hmm. So um, he was renamed Toby, and they wanted to give him, they wanted him trained fast. And so, um, Fiddler is like, without code switching. Filler is like the personification of my dad. He's like, (laughs) he was like the good Negro who was well-spoken, educated, does what, you know, Massa tells him to do, um, doesn't want to cause trouble, doesn't want to...
1: Highly compliant.
0: Yeah, highly compliant. Um, That's... That' was basically like the personification of my dad um yeah, I
1: remember we when we would try to have conversations around race and tension, your dad would never say anything negative
0: Yes, that's that's basically what my dad is um and so i and that's a like he does not like black churches um, he thinks they're too loud, they're too theatric um he like
1: surprised he didn't find a Presbyterian church.
0: He go grew join. up in a Presbyterian ah, church. The
1: frozen chosen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes he a lot grew of up, sense. There you yeah. go. He grew up in a Presbyterian church. I love Presbyterians. So. Yeah, but, um, they're, they're fine. Yes. Their Presbyterians are fine. Um,
1: I don't know who's gonna hear this. I so yeah. always want no. They're fine. Caveat. They're fine churches. I have some great Presbyterian friends.
0: Yeah, they're fine churches. Um. I've been but to, not the
1: most uh, demonstrative vocal and theatrical.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're fine churches. I've been to some nice Presbyterian churches, yeah. um, fine people. Um, I think I've actually been to a Presbyterian church that had um, like some gospel ish music. Um, it wasn't like, like high intensity gospel music, but it was like a soulful kind of sound. Yeah.
1: Look at me getting us all off track here. Yeah,
0: I'm sorry. Yeah. But no, anyway.
1: I'm going to do this a lot. It's, yeah. We'll just get used yeah. to
0: it. So it's fine. But anyway, um, so that was kind of like like my dad mm-hmm. in like in like New Heart. And so I think people kind of associated me with that. Mm-hmm. And... um. I think that's kind of where putting on and taking off blackness kind of came off with within new heart is because people associated me with him. And so, um, since people didn't really have reference to me outside of that, um, to kind of kick, out of that mm-hmm. would reflect badly on him or would report back. He would, rep- would report back to him. Like um, I was watching the L word and my dad reported to Jackie <laughs> <laughs> that I was watching the L word and that ended in a dinner where we had a come to Jesus meeting And we talked about sexuality, which was a very awkward conversation. Um, That's that's the kind of, like, Mm -hmm. relationship happened in New Heart.
1: Yeah, and not just, like, word getting back to your dad. Your dad actually giving word back to other leadership in the church that would then come and intervene in your life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's like... You know, I'm 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 a private person I was like mm-hmm. a private person in New Heart. Yeah. Oh yeah, when I met you, my like and for the first chunk of
1: time that I knew you, my experience of you was as someone who was soft spoken, someone who was highly passive, uh someone who was non disruptive. Yeah. Which that's not you. No. Right? That no. And, and part of it was the depression as well. Yeah,
0: part um, of it was the de- that. But
1: yeah. it wasn't all the depression. That that there was also an element of code switching involved.
0: Yeah, like that's yeah. And so it's and like if you, like if you know, like, fiddler, like he 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 had an element of code switching. Like like when he spoke to. Um, when he, the, now the example of code switching with Fiddler was when he spoke to Kunta Kinte one on one, he was like, Look, you can be Kunta Kinte, but when you speak to these good white people, you are Toby. Don't mm-hmm. get me in trouble, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. You can be Kunta Kinte, but when you address them, you are Toby. When they address you, you are Toby. And then, You know, uh, Kunta Kinte desired to run away. He was like, look, I will run interference. If you really want to run away, I will run interference. But you have to run at this particular moment and leave my name out of it. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not trying to mess up my good thing. You know? And so you know and, and even in front of the white people he was like look I'm sorry he didn't clean your horse I will fix it I will personally clean your horse we will do okay you know I, and, but then when he was back in front of the Kenta, he was like look niggas get your shit together mm-hmm. you know it's like it, it's like this element of we have to be good in front of these people mm-hmm. because I am not trying to mess up and lose my position in life mm-hmm. because of my mess up because of your mess up, or because of anything that will lose, will you know mess up my situation.
1: So, so you're alluding to code switching being about self preservation or preservation of station in life.
0: It can be both, like okay. self preservation. Okay, so like a lot of, I'll, I'll take a perfect example, uh, like code switching with uh, Philandro Cass, Cass, uh, Cassandra, Cassandra, with the. Um, with the police shooting mm-hmm. where the man was shot in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the police shooting that was caught on Facebook Live. Yes. Um, so the police um, pulled him over. This is his girlfriend. Well, his fiance was um, filming it for Facebook Live. And the police asked him, well, what are you doing? He perfectly, he was being compliant, everything. He, he used sir. He used... Please, you know, thank you, all of that. Um, Being very compliant. um, Using sir, all of that. Had he been speaking to maybe anyone else, he probably would not have said sir. He probably would not have said all of that. Um, He said, um, you know, please, thank you, using all of that. Now, had you been pulled over by the police, I don't think you would have said, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you would have, but I don't know if you would have pleaded, like, sir, I am now taking out my wallet. Now I am now, sir, I am now.
1: I, I would not have narrated every move. Right.
0: No. That's, a, that's like paying courtesy to a police officer that I don't know, a black person paying courtesy to an officer that I don't think anyone else would have mm-hmm. necessarily done. That's an element of code switching. That
1: is about self-preservation. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's really about self-preservation. Um, and a lot of people do that with, a lot of Black people do that with police, mm-hmm. with code switching. Um, that's where a lot of code switching actually happens. Mm-hmm. Is with uh, like a lot of white people of authority.
1: Did you? Did you? In- I don't even know how the right word. Did you engage? Did you practice? Did you use code switching around white friends in high school? Like what what have been some of your
0: experiences with code switching? Um So, I have gone to a lot of predominantly black um Well, this is interesting. Okay, so um, I went to uh, my preschool. I went to in a poor neighborhood. I went to Head Start. That was over on Orange Grove, um, actually across the street from the post office. Mm -hmm. And... uh, At that age, you're really polite when you're in preschool anyway. And then um, kindergarten, first, second, and third grade, I went to that school that was the cult. And then um, fourth grade, fourth and fifth grade, I went to a private school where... Um. the school was predominantly black. And I didn't really have to code switch there. And then I went, I, I went... The predominantly black school, I went to the first semester of fifth grade. And then we couldn't afford that because it was a private school. And then we went the second semester, I went to a predominantly white private school mm. where... There were a few black students, but I was so scared shitless because I hadn't been in a predominantly white um, situation before. And I was a naturally shy kid that I didn't really speak to anybody. Um, And so I was really like treated with, like, kid gloves, <laughs> and so...
1: So you just... Were, were you... And it sounds like you were more quiet and reserved there than yeah. you were in your previous
0: schools. Yeah. So I didn't really actually have to really use code switching until I got to, um, I would say, my first year of college at the University of Arizona. Uh, because most of my most of schooling up to then had been in predominantly black schools. Um, and the teachers were all predominantly black. Uh, like up until ninth grade, I was basically in a predominantly black private school and my parents were the teachers because they worked at the school. So I didn't need to code switch with my parents right? because they were my parents um, and the principal of the school was my pastor at the church that was attached to the school.
1: So if you grew up in a place where you didn't have to do a lot of code switching, where did you learn about code switching?
0: Um, I kind of actually kind of naturally learned how to do it because I would be out in... Um my mom actually, because um it was it was kind of like a thing, you 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 act differently in front of company. Um and my mom would like sell Avon, <laughs> which is <laughs> which a lot of white people buy Avon. Mm-hmm. Um And so she would go into people's homes and sell Avon, and she would often take me with her. Um, I don't know if it's because she used me as a selling point. Like, I have cute little children. I need money. (laughs) Buy Avon from me. And so I had to be like that cute little kid who, you know, got shuffled around with Mm -hmm. her places. Um, Or... You know, just being out in public. um, Just naturally doing it. Um, I think also you kind of take in how people in society act around. Kind of like being a sponge and just seeing how other people operate in the world. So I didn't really have to code switch in school. But you watched other people Yeah, just do it. watching how other people code switch mm-hmm. and like watching the news and like like the 90s were like a big age of race relations. So there was like the LA riots and then the OJ trial. And like the it was like a big powder keg in like the 90s with race relations. And like there were so many Like, there were a lot, it's like police beatings have, like, just cycled because the 90s was, like, the big age of police beatings, and then it died down, like, early 2000s, and then it picked up again, and then it died down, and now we're back in this digital age of cell phone footage where it seems like police beatings and shootings are happening, like, almost every other week. And and now we're and then it kind of it's died down a little bit and now we're back in in like this last year of white people calling police on black people for no reason mm-hmm. and so it's yeah you you it's like picking up societal cues where you're like okay this is something I need to learn how to do and then like um, something. That I kind of had to learn how to do. It's like being followed around in stores because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I've told you this, but in the summer, uh, we lived when we lived in Azusa, we lived maybe like three blocks away from a 7 11 and uh, in the summer, we used to just get kicked out of the house, and we just come back when the street lights come on. That was our curfew whenever the street lights came on. we had to be back in the house, and so um we would go down to that seven eleven every now and then, we'd be followed around in the store, but the white kids would be like lining their pockets with candy that's
1: right
0: yeah, and so and you'd
1: be watching it happen yeah,
0: you'd be watching it happen. you're like, you serious? like I'm literally like barely have fifty cents for candy, and I'm being honest about it." And these white kids are, like, lining their pockets with lemon heads. My goodness. And I'm, like, man, Mm -hmm. do you know how easy it would be to, like, make a deal with these white kids? Mm -hmm. Like, let them follow me around and, like, just grab, like, five boxes of lemon heads with me. (laughs) And, like, so, like, you learn, like, okay, sir, don't follow me. I don't have anything in my pockets. I'm trying, you know... And so, like, you just, you kind of just pick up cues, like, okay, I noticed this is not happening to them, this is happening to me, they would get angry if I did this. So, I think it's that, just observing. Mm -hmm.
1: So, when you use the language like code switching, do you feel like that is a strongly uh, racial language, like, language that we use around race and culture, because because what you're describing, I'm, I'm even thinking about like when I was in high school and I'd be out with my friends and I would be one way with my friends, knowing that, man, if my parents heard me talk like I talk with my friends or um, watched me act like I act with my friends, that I would be busted, like I'd be in bad news. And so I would walk in the door, I would switch gears, uh, and immediately I would put on a different face, present a different part of me. Mm-hmm. So, So how is what you're talking about – um is this the same but on a on a maybe a, a more social scale or like how is it i guess what do you do with it? Is that what we're talking about or are you when we talk about code switching does that have something that is particular racial cultural um connotations
0: um you could say it's similar to that not on uh i think code switching is like on a grander scale mm-hmm. um but you could say it's something similar to that. I think everyone, especially teenagers, have that like false persona, especially with their parents. Where I think every every like teenage movie has that depiction of girls who like are dressed like nuns leaving the house. And then mm-hmm. as soon as they get in their friend's car, they're all like changes. snatch off like Superman. Yep. <laughs> they're they're close. And they got on like mini skirts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that can be a form of code switching. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it can be like that. Not on, not on such as grander scale as with race, mm-hmm. race relations and stuff like that.
1: Cause because you were highlighting how uh, code switching when it comes to being black isn't just about uh, presenting a more favorable expression of yourself to people who are in your life, but actually about presenting yourself in such a way that protects your life or protects your status in life. hmm Am I understanding that right? hmm
0: yeah. Because it's not just um like um like a kid who's trying to like keep parents like in the dark about something. Is is this could be like a high status like PhD guy trying to keep from you know getting his house broken into by the police. Um. For like a false drug charge, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, it's not just about, you know, a kid getting busted for weed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's high status stuff. Um. Because even even Barack Obama has code switched. Um, what do you mean? Uh, like his conversations. Like, I I have seen recorded conversations of him talking to (laughs) Jay-Z, which is very different conversations when he is presenting to uh, the country. Um, But, like, George W. Bush's conversations are basically the same, Mm -hmm. pretty much. I mean, they're not as formal, Mm -hmm. um, obviously, but Barack Obama's language is different when the, he's talking the to Jay Z. drastic change, yeah.
1: Well, that's even that's what you and I were talking about when I talk when yeah. when I asked because I was listening to a conversation of you and your brother right last yeah. year that initiated our conversation on taking yeah. off blackness. And I was like, man, you sound so different when you're on the phone with your brother yeah. than you do when you're talking with us. And the yeah. discrepancy is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I, I'm sure I use more formal language in some contexts, or if I was giving a speech or a presentation, but it it may not be as drastic because my vernacular, my regular language is a lot more closer, a lot more closer, a lot uh, more similar to the, maybe the dominant cultural expression of language in the United States. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He kind of, Barack Obama kind of actually let it slip a couple times when he was in office because... They asked him about um, Kanye West once, and he let it slip a little bit. He was like, "Man, he almost said asshole," <laughs> but he slipped up, um, like right as he was saying. He was like, "No, he's a he." He almost said it, and he was like, "No, he's a jackass." And it, it like people flipped out because they were like, "Oh no!" They were like cluster pearls. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they made like a big deal about it on Fox News, and they were like, "Is our president too black?" And, um, I mean, it died down, but they were all like, "Oh no, our president said jackass," and like, um, yeah, because he 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 almost said asshole because his mouth was about to say it, and then he's like, "Let me flip that." Um. And he's he's got he al- he did he almost got like real black a couple times and then he was like oh he had to catch himself a, a few times, mm-hmm. um, but yeah he, he 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 I've seen recorded conversations of him like talking to rappers, and then him having like informal conversations with other presidents, mm-hmm. and like you could see like a a drastic difference.
1: It, it reminds me of the Trevor Noah bit on Barack Obama meeting Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Right where yeah. where he was walking, like I mean, obviously this is a fictional bit, but this this idea where um, Nelson Mandela was coaching this mm-hmm. Barack Obama to say, "Hey, if you want to be taken seriously in this culture, yeah. you can't talk like that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that if you want to succeed, if you want to preserve yourself, you have to change how you present yourself." Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. kind of what we're talking
0: about. Yeah, I think that's why um, President Obama. Enjoyed the Luther anger translator so much, is because he was like these are really all the things I wish I could say. <laughs> um, and that he actually had a meeting with Key and Pill, and was like, no, I enjoyed this so much because I really do feel like this, and I really do wish I could like express myself this way. Mm-hmm. Um, He had meetings with them all the time,
1: but code switching is necessary because our dominant culture would not be welcoming of the full expression of blackness. Is that a a way?
0: No, Mm -hmm. definitely not. Mm -hmm. Um, Like even it's so funny because he got elected in two thousand eight, and everyone was all like, "Oh, racism is over." But they didn't, like, publicize all of the racist stuff that really happened mm-hmm. when he got elected. Yeah. Like, there were people burning nooses. Mm-hmm. There were, like, like people burning, like, images of him on crosses and, like, everything out of his mouth. Like, even, even like, the most intelligent things he said, people were, like, calling him monkey. He was, like, mm-hmm. completely racist things. And they were like, oh, but we live in such a post-racial society. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure where? Yeah. Where? And then when Trayvon Martin happened... All of a sudden, President Obama, he brought racism back into the country. And I was like, what? Sure mm-hmm. What? No, you guys. You guys. Mm-hmm. You guys that did that. Like, you guys brought it out. Like, you guys, like, opened up the floodgates and was like, no. You guys shined that magnifying glass on it. Mm-hmm. It was always here. You just shined the magnifying mm-hmm. glass on it. Yeah. And the hypocr- going back to hypocrisy, mm-hmm. uh, people going, "Oh no, we we have a racism problem now because of Barack Obama." No, we do not have a racism problem because of Barack Obama.
1: Yeah. We've always had a racism
0: problem. Yeah, yeah. we've always had this problem, mm-hmm. and the need for code switching is even now more important because. Mm. Trump has really, like, kicked the hornet's nest and, like, fired up all these people. And, like, they're really in a, like, in a mood, in a, like, a fiery mood now because everyone's mad and about and so excited about these midterm elections that the Republicans are doing everything they can to discourage people from voting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, like, they've already, like, have kicked people off of voter registration buses and like
1: um Yeah it's a wild time.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But we don't we don't need code switching.
1: No, nope, not at all.
0: No. Mm-hmm. We don't need it. Yeah.
1: Well I think that's one of the things that I am or I guess one of the things that I'm really excited about in you and I podcasting together. Uh is what does it look like for you and I to show up fully ourselves in relationship with one another, when I'm talking with someone who's not at all like me and you're talking with someone who's not at all like you mm-hmm. uh, with different cultures, different language, different expressions, different backgrounds, and what does it look like for you and I to be in relationship? Uh, and how often, I'm even curious to think as we uh, as we continue on with the podcast, um, moments where code switching might even come up in our dialogues, yeah. right? Where there would be temptation to go like, oh, I need to frame it in a different way, because uh, I, I even, it makes me curious to think about now how um, how I may engage code switching as a way of protecting my self-image uh, in terms of how I talk about race, how I talk and going like, man, do, do I do some self-preservation? Because I don't want to come off looking like an idiot, looking like an ignorant person with strong racial prejudice. Uh, how do I present myself in a way that protects myself? Um, and how was that even going to come up in the podcast? It, it, even as you are talking about, like, oh, this is going to be interesting to pay attention to mm-hmm. in dialogue of going. Do I do I talk differently? And this and this is something that you can point out to me. You are welcome to point this out to me. Mm-hmm. Do I talk differently to you on a podcast that we're recording that other people might listen to than I do when you and I are talking in my kitchen? Ooh, Yeah, right. That's something that I am really curious about because that would be in some ways a form of code switching that that I would. Be presenting it differently for maybe a, a a perceived white audience or an audience that's going to perceive me as a white person or mm-hmm. um, or just as me as it, whether perceiving me as a therapist or as a pastor and that there's this idea of I need to present myself in a certain way and so is that going to influence how you and I talk? Yeah, that's something for you and I to really observe and I'd, I'd welcome your observations about me.
0: Yeah, that'd yeah. be kind of cool.
1: Yeah, we can pay attention to that.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, let's wind this down for tonight. All right. And we will continue this next week. All right. Any last parting thoughts or wisdom or... I don't even know if we have a sign-off what we want to do for I don't know. Yeah, we
0: need to give a sign-off.
1: Yeah. We'll just end right here.
0: Yeah, let's end right here. Okay. All right. Until next time. Till next time.